every family who goes through our baby day program here at church, which is our baby um, dedication Sunday, they're asked the question, imagine 18 years from now, um, what would you want your child to be? What, um, what goals or what, you know, what do you see your child being? And this morning, we really just want to ask as a church that we think about this for the whole next generation. Um, in 18 years, what's the end? You know, what do we see? And we hope and we pray that, obviously, we want lifelong uh, Jesus followers for all of our kids. Um, not just our personal children, but every child who attends here at Bachelor Creek now and in the years to come. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today and about how we as a church can help in that process. Um, we're going to go ahead and introduce ourselves real quick. Um, my name is Janet Legessa, and I am the Early Childhood Director here. And so I work with birth through kindergarten, and I've been here for one year. My name is David Diener. I'm the high school pastor, uh, and I've been here for three years. My name is Tyler Leland, and I'm the elementary minister here. I've been here for three years as well. And I do want to draw attention real quick to this buzzer right in the center. This is to help keep us on track, which did not work the first hour. Not, well. not at all, but if you hear the buzzer being pushed, it means, it means uh, time's up. Wrap time it up. Mean, yeah, wrap it up. My name's Nate Plyler. I'm the middle school and outreach minister here at the church, so middle school being fifth through eighth grade. And I've worked at Bachelor Creek for about four months now. Um, so I interned here uh, last summer and fall, but now I'm on staff here, and a question that we've been getting a lot is, why am I here? Why a new addition to uh, the youth ministry team, family ministry team at Bachelor Creek? That's a great question. I wonder that myself. I don't, uh, seven months, <laughs> seven months was enough with Nate. Wasn't oh, no, enough for you. No, I couldn't let you go. <laughs> um, so part of the reason we're here and why Nate's here is we saw a big problem, even in, I've been in ministry for nine years now, but in the last three, we've seen a big drop-off with sixth graders transiting, transitioning to seventh grade. It's a hard transition, so it was really hard for our seventh graders to get plugged into a new space, new programming, uh, new volunteers, new new minister, so that was just a really hard transition, and so uh, so that that's kind of where the struggles were on my end. Yeah, and on the elementary end, we saw our fifth and sixth graders checking out by the time they got to that age frame because they're in there with first graders too. So by the time a sixth grader roll, sixth grade rolls around, it's really hard for them to engage the same way with first graders. So um, we realize that we have to be intentional with every age group of kids. So what it looks like for a first grader to worship is completely different than what it looks like for a sixth grader to worship. What it looks like in small group for a first grader looks completely different for a sixth grader. So as we started to understand this more and more, we realized we got to do something. Um, and then the other piece of that is we've realized that faith and the faith journey is not linear as much as it is a roller coaster. So there's ups and downs along the way. There's definitely lots of loop-de-loops, especially in these preteen years moving into middle school. If you can remember back being a middle school student, everything's flipped upside down, and you're trying to figure it all out again. So we started thinking, man, we got to do something differently. Um, we tried to implement lots of different things, and we realized it just is going to take somebody to oversee this ministry area. Yeah, so Tyler and I got to a point, we wanted to do some more research to see if we were the only ones in this boat here at Bachelor Creek, or whether it is just a, a church-wide issue. But we found it is. One of the things we did, we, re we read a book uh, by a guy named Dan Scott called Caught in Between um, that really talked about the struggle of this transition of of middle school, this fifth and sixth, seventh and eighth, these preteens years, 
and just the struggle that was. We caught a lot of great information from it. It was really intuitive for us. Uh, and so we really learned a lot from just doing some research and reading this book. Yeah, and one of the questions we wrestled with is going to be on the screen here. Um, it's just this idea of when does childhood end and adolescence begin? And what we've realized is it looks different now than it did when we were growing up. So adolescence was pushed back much further than what it is now. And we think part of the reason is because of the technology age. So in 2007, the iPhone came out, the first smartphone. Now, if you think about that, that's 12 years ago. So preteen kids have never grown up in a world where somebody hasn't had a smart device in their hand 24-7. And with the rapid speed of technology increasing, kids grow up faster. Now a sixth grader is not the same today as they were when we were growing up. And so we felt like, man, this has got to be something we address. And then he also gave us these two statements that really made us think. And, it, and these are the questions that he was asking. He says, churches get theology, but they don't always get child development, which we realized is true of ourselves. In Bible college, you get a lot of theology, but not a lot of classes on child development. And then also, parents love their kids, but they aren't effectively resourced to understand their kids. So we are thrown into parenting at some level. We're learning as we go. And as a parent, I know I'm always looking for another resource to help me in the parenting journey. I'm always trying to ask other people what they did raising boys because it's a difficult thing. And so these are the two things that we, as an education team, as a family ministry, are trying to address, are trying to get better at. And this book really helped us in that understanding. Yeah, so kind of after, after we kind of followed up this book, uh, we, we realized we needed someone to spearhead this, this ministry. We needed somebody to take charge and to lead it. And so we really wasn't sure what to do because Tyler and I didn't feel like we had the space, especially on Sundays, to do that, either one of us, or to tag team it. Uh, so we kind of got to a point, it was really nice, uh, Tyler and I were on the team to, to hire somebody to do our communication and outreach here at church, and we kind of felt like we got to this point where Nate actually, when he started his internship, we read this book together, that was one of the books we read together as an education team, uh, and so I don't remember, I think it was in your office one day, we just kind of said, well, what it would it look like just to hire Nate to do the preteen stuff, and he could kind of take some outreach and we could take communication, that way all the jobs get covered and we get to, to have this preteen ministry that we've always wanted and so that's kind of how it kind of fell into place. And we were thankful that's definitely God's direction and leading in all of this, that Nate was here on his internship, and he fit perfectly with both the outreach and the preaching stuff. It was definitely a God-ordained thing that led us to this point, for sure. So that's the long answer. The short answer is we needed somebody to up our beard game here at the church, so we brought Nate in. <laughs> because We tried to do that with you, and you yeah, shaved no, it off. I shaved so. it off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so once Nate got here, we sat down as a team and we started thinking through what are the key things that we feel like every kid should be learning and focusing on, and what are the dials, as we call them, that need to be turned up at certain points in a kid's faith journey, whether it's preschool, elementary school, the preteen, middle school years, or high school. Sometimes these need to be cranked up higher than other times. And these are the things that we came up with, which I just want to touch on briefly, because then Nate's going to go into a little bit of the what uh, this ministry is going to look like. So here's the things that we've really focused on. It's not anything earth-shattering, but it's all foundational to what we're doing. So the first is, I am loved by God. We want every kid to know that. And this is all about identity, because the identity is what fuels the two actions that you're going to see next, which are, I love God, and I love others. So that identity of being loved by God 
changes within us, and we start to realize, man, God loved me. He sent his son for me. I love God, and I'm thankful for what he's done in my life. And in return of loving God, you're also going to love others because God loves people. And it says in Scripture that we love because God first loved us. So these things in every one of our ministries are going to be addressed, and sometimes we're going to talk about more of the identity piece, sometimes more of the action pieces, but every single one of our ministries will address these at certain points. So with that being said, Nate, what is this preteen slash middle school ministry going to look like moving forward? Yeah, great question. So just basic stuff. Uh, our fifth through eighth graders are going to be meeting out here in the block, which was formerly called the SMC. Um, it's the room where David meets right now. Uh, we'll be meeting second hour every Sunday morning. Um, and David will be meeting second hour with his high schoolers as well. So that's why we're in the same room, um, the same room that it's been. We'll be having a worship element, um, a teaching element, and a small group element. Small group is going to be really um, core to what that is. Adults pouring into um, our young people and our young people being able to express what's going on in their lives with each other and with an adult who is more formed in life and in body and in faith. Um, We'll also be doing Sunday night stuff once a month. Um, so that'll be the first Sunday of the month. That'll also be here at the church um, from 6 to 7.30. And that'll be more of a, a large group thing. There won't be any small groups. Um, I'd like to have our 5th and 6th graders and our 7th and 8th graders separate as much as we can because developmentally they're, they're so different. Um, but truthfully, that all comes down to volunteers. Um, so wink, wink. Um, that's important to me, so that would be really awesome if we could pull that off. Um, but that'll be um, a teaching um, to unpack what's coming up next month and um, large games, active, something really like big that you could invite um, a friend to pretty easily. So that's what the middle school ministry is going to look like in a nutshell. So as far, as far as high school, since you talked about them, you guys moving into the block, we're actually in the process now of kind of remodeling the loft, which is right above the block. Um, so all of our high school stuff will be up there. All the actual programming itself will still be the same for high school students, but the physical location will change to upstairs. And so as we and so Janet and Tyler's area, they're they're staying the same. Um, so as we look at these, a lot of you guys have asked us questions, and we've kind of talked to them. You know, why is Nate here? What are we doing? The last question you guys have kind of proposed to us is, so what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to do with this new ministry, these changes, and Nate? And so we're going to address that a little bit. So Tyler, why don't you kind of kick off the what do you want me to do with this? We believe that impacting the next generation and imagining the end takes every single person in this room. It's not just for parents. It's not just for people that are working with kids like small group leaders. It's every single one of us, all imagining the end together saying, hey, the goal for the next generation is to be Jesus followers. That's what we want. And so for that to happen, it requires all of us. But I'm going to start today by talking about parents, and then we're going to dive into some other areas that we think are super important too. So if you are a parent in the room, you're going to be the number one person in your child's faith journey. Your kid is not going to go further in faith than you are. They're going to follow in your footsteps. That's the reality of it. They see what you do, the way that you act, the way that you follow Jesus, and they're going to mimic and replicate what they see you do each and every day. So it's important for you to realize that you're a super important piece of the faith journey for your kid. 
And in order to take a look at this end picture of imagining the end, I want to take a look at one of Jesus' stories in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8 gives us this picture of the end of the story, but also the practical steps of how to get there. So in Luke chapter 8, Jesus tells a story about farmers, and these farmers are sowing seed in fields. And so he gives us four different soils that the farmers sow the seed into. The first soil is uh, very hard, and the seeds fall on the ground, and they're trampled on the ground, and also the birds come and eat them up. And then the second soil is very rocky, so all these seeds that fall on the ground, they wither up and die. And then the third soil is full of thorns. So when the plants grow up, the thorns choke out the plants, and the plants die. But then he gives us this picture of the fourth soil, which is the good soil. And the Bible tells us that when the seeds land in the fourth soil, that the, the crop, the produce, the fruit at the end of it is plentiful. There's a good harvest at the end of the day. And what I want you to see today is what these pictures represent. Jesus tells us that, first of all, the seed represents the Word of God, and the soils represent the conditions of the heart. And I think many times as parents, we think we have to throw the seed out as much as we can. So I'm going to give them God's word. I'm going to make sure that they're at church. I'm going to make sure that we're reading the Bible at home, which are all important things. But the bigger picture that Jesus says is the soil, that we are cultivators of the soil. We're preparing our kids' hearts. Even before the word of God lands on it, we're preparing the kids' hearts. And if that soil is good, then when the seeds do land, the fruit will be produced. So what does it look like to cultivate your child's heart? Like that's kind of a heady thing. What is all up here and we're not real sure what to do with it. So I want to give you some practical things today. So I think that there's really three things. And I think we have a slide for that too. Of um, things that I think you should focus on as you're cultivating the soil in your kid's life. The first is if you can focus on the language of God's truth. It's super important to focus on the language of God's truth. And here's what I mean by that. It's important to have shared language in your household that points to God, who he is, what he's done, the truth that we see in scripture. And so this can be really practical. Growing up in my life, my dad would used to use this phrase all the time. He'd say, the Lord is good. So in the good times, he'd say, Tyler, the Lord is good. In the bad times, Tyler, the Lord is good. When it was just a good day and we were having fun together, man, the Lord is good. And this was a constant thing that we'd always talk about, and it was embedded deep in my heart that the God that we served is a good God. Very simple, but it's language that we were using at home that was pointing towards God's truth. The next is the behaviors of the Christian life. So not only is it important to use language of God's truth, but also to show your kids what it looks like to follow Jesus. You are going to be the main example in that, but it's also important to introduce to your kids other people that are living lives of faith as well. Um, one way that I saw just some friends of ours doing that, that we went to college with, is they take an opportunity each month. So they have like five or six kids. But once a month on the day of the kid's birthday, so if the kid was born on the 22nd, on the 22nd of every month, they take time just to be with that kid. And what I love about that, they give them like a half hour before bed to focus just on that kid. What I love about that is they're showing the kid that your identity as a person is important, and it's separate from all of your other brothers or sisters. And they give them the attention, they give them space to speak, they give them space to talk about faith and what's going on in their lives. That shows them what it looks like to be loved not only by them, but also by God. 
And it points them to this reality that Jesus himself left the 99 to focus on the one. So by giving them that attention once a month, they're always repeating and embedding in the life of these kids that truth. And then the last one is the reality of God. If we believe who God says he is, and we believe that Jesus did what he said he did, then that should change the way that we act and we live our lives. I know my parents growing up would tell me that God was real, <coughs> and we'd pray to a God that we believed in. So there was a time where I was out with a friend, and we were playing catch, and he had this baseball that was signed by everybody on his baseball team. And as we were playing catch, he launched this ball into the cornfield. And I'm thinking to myself, we are never going to find this ball again. So in the middle of the cornfield, we're in there for 10 minutes, can't find it. I say, I'm going to just stop and pray because my parents have taught me that God answers prayers. And so I pray a prayer, just asking for God to find that ball. I take one step, look down, and there's the ball. Now, when I went home and told my parents that, they could have brushed it off and said, you know, that's a coincidence or that's a really good story. But they told me, no, that was God answering prayers. And to this day, they'll share that story with other people because that's who they are. That they believe that God answers prayers. And they lived it and they shared that with me as a kid. And that's the reality of who God is that I've seen in their lives. So all those things help cultivate soil. They help prepare hearts. But there's more cultivators than just the parents. And so Janet's going to share a little bit more of who else needs to be a part of that cultivating process. I'm going to talk today about our volunteers that serve in the children and youth ministry areas. And these are people who are very dear to my heart. Um, the volunteers I work with right now, I have over 100 people who serve in just the tiny town area that I get to work with, and they have become like a family to me. Um, my husband and I aren't, aren't involved in a small group because he works seconds, and it just doesn't fit into our life right now, unfortunately. But I kind of have adopted my volunteers as my small group. We check in on each other, um, and they're just some of the most amazing people that I've met. And so um, I really just appreciate them. And sometimes you'll hear churches say, you know, child care provi provided, or um, we'll have child care at this service. And you're so much more than child care workers. You are involved in children's ministry. You're ministering to these hearts of these children and these youth. And it's super important. Um, singing songs and learning the motions and helping them with the craft. That is pouring into them, and they'll remember it. Um, growing up, I went to treaty and I'm super fortunate to be back here in the community and so I still have a lot of contact with those volunteers that taught me in first and second grade and and beyond and um, these are still the people who pour into my life um, I have a lot of memories from when I was growing up but one that's really vivid is in second grade um, we had a Wednesday night program and in, um, one of the directors of the Wednesday night program her name is Virginia Livergood she would let from time to time kids got to pick out the songs that we sang on a Wednesday night. And so it was my turn, and she brought her little milk crate of overhead transparencies to school during recess, and I got to sit with her in the office. I mean, I just have such a vivid memory of just sitting there with her, going through, picking all my favorite songs, and her just sitting there talking to me for that. It was just a half hour, but this is something 25 years later I remember. And Virginia went on to be a really important person in my life. She um, poured into me. For years and so many of my um, teachers and youth sponsors still to this day are in contact even when I moved away for a while um, they would still check in on me those are the people who I invited to my graduations to my wedding to wedding and baby showers they're who I wanted there because they are so important to me because I was important to them 
And so I just want to encourage you, if you are serving with children or with youth, that you make it a priority to invest in them. And I know there's a lot. And especially we have some amazing volunteers here who have served for years, a long time. And so there's a lot of kids who come and go. Just pick a few. Say, these are the kids who, even after they leave my area, I'm going to ask them at church, how are you doing? If I don't see them for a while, I'm going to call them up and say, hey, what's going on? Um, I'm going to show up at an art show or a basketball game, and I'm going to let them know that I'm there, not because I'm just there to, you know, enjoy a game or the art show. I'm there because I want to be there for them. And so I just encourage you in that, and I'm just so thankful for each one of you because um, it is a labor of love for sure. And so, and it's so important. It's vital to these kids. And you never know. You could be the reason why one of them accepts Jesus or why one of them goes into the ministry. So I just want to just encourage you in that, and I'm just so thankful for each one of you. Um, we also know, though, here at church, there's a lot of ministries that a lot of people are involved in. And so maybe you don't necessarily work with the kids, but this is still for you. And so David's going to talk to you a little bit about that. Yeah, so we recognize not everyone is, is able uh, to do that. So uh, whenever I think about this conversation, I always go back to Deuteronomy 6. Uh, which is Moses's kind of final words to the people of Israel. Moses has been through a lot with the people wandering the desert, Ten Commandments, all that stuff. He's been through a lot. When you think of all the things he had to say, this was kind of his final charge to the people of Israel in Deuteronomy 6. And here's what it says. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with all your, love, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What he's telling the people is, here's the one thing you need to do, is pass on your faith to the next generation. But you notice who he's talking to? He doesn't say, here, O parents, or here, her grandparents who, who parent their, their grandkids. But he says, here, O Israel, the entire community of faith believers. This is who he's charging to pass on their faith to the next generation. So I just want to make sure you all understand your role here. So if you have ever passed someone under the age of 18 in the hallways here at church, can you raise your hand real quick? If you've ever, under the age of 18, if you've, I see a couple not raising your hands, you're lying. Um, you're in church. Uh, no, it's is our charge. He's saying here, Bachelor Creek, this is your charge to pass on your faith to the next generation. And so of anything else, we're asking you one thing. We just want you to care because it's easy to come in, come to church and leave and be done. But we need you to care because whether you realize it or trying to or not, you are passing down your faith to the next generation because the next generation has eyes. They can see you. They see how you worship. They see a lot of people coming in 15 minutes to church late every single week. They see how you worship and how you interact when we sing. They see those things. They see some of you, frankly, don't look like you want to be here. Like they see you are passing down this faith to the next generation. They see how you coach. They see how you teach. They see how you act when you get bad service at a restaurant. They see how you tip people. You are passing down your faith to the next generation, whether you like it or not. It's a matter of whether you're going to care about what kind of faith you're passing down. And we all have this responsibility to do this. So what does this look like? So honestly, it looks a couple ways. Some of you aren't currently serving and you need to be. Um, some of you are fully capable of that. You have an extra hour in your week. I know you do. I see you on Facebook, right? We are all capable of serving. <laughs> they ain't, don't push the button. 
Uh, so, but the other side of that, we realize some of you, whether because of physical capabilities or you work a lot, we understand that. There are, so there are other ways. Uh, one of the biggest ways uh, you can support the children and pass down this next generation is through prayer. Like, that should be the foundation for everything we do, petitioning the throne of God on behalf of our children. So if you aren't praying for our kids here at Basher Creek, start praying for our kids here at Basher Creek. One of the other big ways you can support and help pass down this, this faith to the next generation is by your giving to Basher Creek. Like, we've had a lot of people baptized this summer. We've had a lot of incredible things happen in all of our ministries, and it's because you guys give to Basher Creek. Like, every, every CIY, every Camp Kid Jam, every mission trip, all these things, the church pays for half of all of these, uh, these weeks, week-long trips and camps because we really care and we really believe this is huge in the life of a student and a kid. That wouldn't happen if you didn't give. Our mission trip we had for high schoolers just a week and a half ago, the mission team generously gave $100 for every single student to be able to go on that trip. That would not happen if you did not give. And so that's a huge way you can support and help pa pass down that faith to the next generation. And honestly, it's just being willing to have a conversation and support and encourage our kids and people who work with them, volunteers. Uh, I remember uh, when I was in high school, when I was in elementary, there was a lady named Tammy Johnson who went to our church. I don't think she ever taught a Sunday school class, really never stepped foot in the doors, but I knew every time I went to camp, every time I went to a treat, and randomly throughout the year, I would get a card from Tammy, just letting me know that she's thinking about me, she's praying for me, and that she cared enough about my faith to take five minutes to write a simple card. And here I am, 15 years later, and I remember Tammy and the impact she had on me just simply by, by reading a card. The next generation wants to talk to you. They want to have conversations with you about your faith. I know this. It was proved to me a week and a half ago on our high school mission trip. We were working at an old lady's house. Her name was Martha. She was like 94 years old. She couldn't really get around much. She was in a walker. Uh, there's 26 of us working out in the yard. Uh, next thing I know, I turn around, and there's like six of us out here working. I'm like, where in the world did everyone go? I doubt everyone had to go to the bathroom at the same time. So I walk in the house, and Martha is sitting in her walker, and all those kids are sitting on couches, on floors, on chairs, wherever they can find a spot, just listening to Miss Martha tell stories of how she came to know Jesus, what it was like to live through 9-11 with a son she didn't hear from for two days, what it was like to have a, a husband who was involved in the moon landing in NASA, what it was like losing sisters and brothers what it was like being a Christian growing up. These students were enthralled by that simple conversation by this 94-year-old lady. You cannot sit here and tell me like the next generation doesn't want to hear from you. We talk about intergenerational. They crave that. They want that, whether you realize it or not. So all of us, we need to care. We need to care about the next generation and their faith. So Nate, why don't you talk a little bit to the students? Yeah, uh, since there are some students and kids in here, and since... I'm practically a kid or a student. Um, I'll, I'll say a word uh, to you all, and that word is, uh, you belong here. Um, I really want you to know that the areas that we build, that we craft, um, no matter what age you are, is built for you to know that you belong. Um, and the way that belonging is most felt is through relationship. So. We create these so that you can have a relationship with an adult who cares about you and who is farther along in faith than you are. And also so that you can have relationships with people who are your age, who are in your world. Because 
let's be honest, even though I'm not that far removed in age, like, I am pretty far removed from your world. I'll admit that. But there are people around who are in your world and who need you and you need them. So if you are a person who shows up sometimes, if, if you know that this person's coming or, or who's coming, well, if they're coming, I'll come, and if they're not coming, then I don't come, and you're kind of in and out based on each other, it's cool that you have that close relationship, but I want to encourage you to just go ahead and be that friend who is going to make this a priority, and your friends will follow you, because you know and they know that this is what you need. So go ahead and be the friend that declares, like, this is going to be a part of my life, following Jesus, and as a part of that, coming to church every Sunday, because I know this is what I need. Go ahead and declare that for yourself, and your friends will follow you. Um, I also want to say that you belong in relationship here in this worship center as well. So you belong in the areas that we build for you, and you also belong in this area, this worship center that isn't necessarily built for you, you still belong here because this is the body of Christ and you are the body of Christ. Um, so the reason that going back to David and myself and Janet and Tyler all have stuff going on second hour is to open up first hour for you to come here and worship with your family and the entire body of Christ. We think that's really important for you to do. Um, and so to belong here in relationship you have to also put yourself out there to people who are older than you, people who are your parents' age, people who are your grandparents' age. And I mean, David just charged all of, all of us to seek out the kids and students. I'm telling you kids and students to also seek out people who are older than you. Um, put yourself out there. Have a, have a conversation with someone who maybe you've never met before. Um, that was a huge part of my faith formation growing up. And I seriously don't think I would be where I am today if it weren't for the Kim Caswells um, in my life, the Greg Reese's, the David Tims, people who were friends with my parents and, and my grandparents' age, who I talk to every Sunday. Um, one final word about belonging. You belong because of who you are, not because of what you do. I know the game where you define yourself by what you do and you seek to belong by what you do. So the way that you act here at church to belong can look very different from the way that you act at school to belong. Don't play that game. You belong here because God says you belong. You belong here because like that video said, God is crying out your true identity. And that is that you are his son, that you are his daughter. And it does not matter where you've come from or what you've done. That can all change because the one thing that remains the same is that you are God's child, and that's why you belong here. So. And thankfully, that's for all of us, though. No yeah. matter what age we are, yeah. we do belong. So as we finish today, we really want you to imagine the end with us. So what I'd like to do is just have everybody close your eyes. And I want to give you a scenario of what 12 years could look like here at our church. Imagine that 12 years have passed. You stroll into church and find your favorite church pew. Some things never change. You sit down hoping that Michael won't make you stand up and find someone new to shake hands with. Oh no, he did it again. You find a few friends to chat with before turning around to see a slightly familiar face in the pew in front of you. You know this face, but it's different now. Grown. 
matured. This person smiles and waves at you. So you wave back as you rack your brain trying to figure out who they are. Where have you seen this person before? You notice that this young adult is engaged in worship. They really look like they're giving it their all. They are a little off pitch, but hey, you've never been a great singer either. Then during the sermon, the same person seems to be taking notes and they're eagerly soaking in the gospel message. They even throw out an amen during Solomon's final point. Who is this person anyways? After the service, your curiosity gets the best of you and you tap the person on the shoulder. You reintroduce yourself and say that you feel like you know them. They say they remember you and tell you that they grew up going to church here. They are now 24 and they're visiting family for the weekend. Then they say something to you that you will never forget. They say thank you. Thank you for making an impact in their faith journey. Thank you for taking the time to give them a high five and for being an encourager. Thank you for letting your story shape their story. Then it all comes flooding back. It was one moment on one Sunday. This student had shared a testimony from their first mission trip in front of the church. <coughs> you could tell they were nervous, so you found them after service to tell them how awesome it was that they were willing to share the love of Jesus with others. Is it possible that one moment helped move the dial in this student's life? Is it possible that you helped cultivate the soil? Is it possible that you helped propel that student towards the imagined finish line? Can you see this child's face? Who is it? Who are you going to pray for? Who are you going to encourage? Who are you going to serve? Who are you going to love like Jesus? 12 years will be here before we know it. It's time to imagine what we pray will be a reality in the future. Will you pray with me as we finish today? God, may this scenario, this image that we've seen right now, be reality in the future for each and every one of our kids that grows up going to church and being a part of this faith community. And may each person in this room today realize their role in cultivating the soil and helping propel kids towards the end that you have in mind for them. God, we want followers of Jesus that are followers for a lifetime. God, we pray that today will be the beginning of something wonderful here. We pray that it will be the beginning of each person knowing that they're a part of impacting the next generation. In your son's name I pray, amen.